0: 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 13. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. and both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of, of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, So,
1: as we continue on with 2 Peter, I'm going to continue on with my metaphor of the plant. This little plant that we've been watching that was a seed about, I don't know, six or eight weeks ago, you can see it's come a long way. Um, interesting thing happened over the last two weeks, wasn't, we were at home for Easter last week, but it's been sitting. You've noticed I've, a, I've had to add another uh, trellis here, and the reason I'm doing this is because this is a picture of what's happening in the book of Second Peter. Peter is writing. He doesn't have long. He's facing his own death. He says he believes and he is confident that he doesn't have long to be in this body, but he wants to send a word to those who are uh, his people, the, the people that he's ministering to, and he writes this letter to Christian believers who are... Uh, facing severe difficulty. And so he says, and um, the reason I use this little stick and the, the plant here is that 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I intend always to remind you of these things, though you already know them, and are established in the truth that you have. And the word established we've talked about is the word sterizo, which the idea of a trellis to attach yourself to something real and true and firm in a day when people are going to try to uh, sway you and going to try to confuse you and going to try to undermine your faith. So this is a sterizo, this idea, and uh, I'm, I'm going to push the metaphor a little bit because the last two weeks have been really windy, and. What happened was I had to attach a little Velcro thing to keep this because it blew away that the the thing was totally had let go in the winds and the storms. Well, guys, we're living through some windy, stormy times, and it is easy for our faith to get rocked and to wonder, God, where are you in the midst of this? There's no condemnation. This little plant, and I I was saying uh, it's tentacles, that's wrong. A squid has tentacles. They're tendrils. Y'all are listening because somebody pointed that out to me a couple of weeks ago. This, and did you know that uh, octop- octopi? No, it's not octopi. It's octopuses. They don't have tendrils either. They have uh, arms. Okay, little fact. What? No, they have tentacles. They do not have tentacles. They have arms. Anyway, for Whatever rabbit trail, rabbit trail, squid, a squid, has ten- this has tendrils, and it is beginning to reattach itself, it's beginning singing next to find itself. My wife, my dear wife, who was non-socially distant singing next to me, was uh, put out in the, one of these big rains we had, put this thing out, well this doesn't have a hole for the water to come out, so it was also drowning in the wind, so it was both drowning and windy, Some of us are drowning right now. We're feeling, especially we who are extroverts, we're drowning a bit, and uh, it's this thing let go, and yet God gives us the gracious opportunity to reattach, and this thing is beginning to reattach once again to establish itself on something that's going to help it grow. We'll see. I bet in a week or two, we're going to see even a different plant that's going to bear fruit. When we come out of this time that we're in now, let's be established more in truth, not have it shaken to the core. So Peter says, look, there are people out there who are trying to shake your faith. They are specifically trying to undermine what we have taught you and what Jesus has taught you. And rather than fixing yourself to the truth, they are saying... Maybe Jesus, maybe the disciples don't really know what they're talking about. Now, the specific thing that they were referring to, these false teachers, the ones we, three weeks ago, we referred to them and taught a bit about what they were doing, but specifically what they were undermining was this idea that Jesus Christ is going to come a second time. First time He comes as the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sins of the world, and He promised and the disciples also taught that He's going to come again as the Lion of Judah, not as the Lamb to be sacrificed, but in glory, and He's going to set things right and bring justice and make all things uh, right that are that are wrong now. And so uh, they were saying, well, you know, I don't think you can really believe that. We'll talk about why they were saying this. But we can ask ourselves, like, is this important to us? Well, It is very important because the truth of the matter is is that we live our lives differently if we think that there is a reconciliation, if there's a reckoning. If if something is coming, we will live with an eye to that. And the Bible says that's a wise way to live. So that rather than giving our full devotion and affection and attention to things of this world, we live in this world as a Christian— but we also live with an eye that this isn't all there is. So that's what these false teachers were doing. So let's dive into what they specifically said. He says, in the second letter that I'm writing to you, 2 Peter 3.1, now we may think, may be tempted to think, well, 1 Peter was the first letter. Well, maybe, but we don't know. He doesn't refer to it. We only have two letters from Peter. He probably wrote a bunch of them. It doesn't matter. He was writing probably to these, well, definitely writing to these same group of churches, same Christians. In both of them, he's stirring you up by way of sincere reminder, same thing we just discussed with the plant, that you should remember, this time, remember the predictions of the prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through the apostles. So remember this teaching. And he says, first of all, remember this, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. It's a great line in the in the um, in the Hebrew. I was looking at uh, looking at how the original text is, and it's great. It says, "In last days, they comes those scoffing scoffers." So it wasn't enough to just say they're scoffing. He says it, the two words are right next to each other, and it's like those scoffing scoffers. Like, I don't know what other kind of scoffers there are, but the scoffing scoffers are coming. So what does that mean? Well, it means they're, they're belittling. They're saying, look, hey, look. Jesus said he was going to come again. The disciples say they witnessed this. On Look, glory, amount of transfiguration, this glorious Jesus, but look. It's been like 30 years. How long, do you, I mean, how long have you waited for anything? Some of you watching haven't been alive for 30 years. Sometimes we wait for a week for something and we think it's never coming. They say, look, 30 years. Sun's been rising every day for 30 years. It sets. Tides go out. Tides come in. Everything is just continuing on exactly as it should. God set things into motion. See, these people were inside the camp. They were in here. And so they are mocking the idea that God's going to do something above the natural. See, nature, it's kind of all, all it is. Is that a modern issue for us? Absolutely. People say, look, now we rem- they had God in their equation, these false teachers, but now we don't... We, this is people outside the the church and you know hey look god nature is all there is science is the only thing there's nothing above that same issue and peter says wait a minute not only is he and i witness to the truth of this and he's not going to be dissuaded by by these arguments of people who don't haven't seen what he has seen but he says look I mean, he goes all the way back to creation. Verse 4 of first, Second Peter 3, here's their argument. Where's the promise of His coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, probably the patriarchs, Abraham, you know, the, for years, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. So not just since Jesus has come, but we've seen it for, you know, as, as long as we've ever heard. Peter says they deliberately, they being the false teachers, deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago. That's true. The earth was the world out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world then that has existed was deluged with water. Noah's flood, right? And people perished. He says God uses these natural things, but he did something entirely different. The same water that was in creation he used to purge sin from the earth. But remember, Noah was saved, right? God knows how to distinguish between those who are trusting him and those who are not. And then, Peter says, by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So, he says, water destroyed the earth in the flood the first time, fire the second time. We will come back to that in a minute. So let's talk a little bit about these scoffers. Peter says, don't be surprised. Okay, everybody listen to this. Please listen to this. There are people, always have been, always will be, who claim to be Christians in our context. In their context, they were followers of Jesus, and even before that, those who were teaching within the Jewish context. But there are people who will claim to be believers, who will teach things that are contrary to God's word. Please, please measure what everyone says by what is taught in God's word. Jesus said it. He said, many will come in my name, it's Matthew 24, claiming to be Christ. Watch out, Jesus taught. Paul says in Acts chapter 20, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, men will arise who speak twisted things. Again, we we talked about, are we going to point to who's the false teacher? No names. It's up to us to not be gullible and naive and think, well, just because what they're saying, just because someone is within the church, ordained within some denomination, that what they're saying is right. Many people have had their lives wrecked and ruined by saying, well, thus and so taught this, and I did it that way, and it all fell apart. God must not exist. The Bible must not be true. Well, guys, you can't Assume, scoffers, mockers, those who don't take God's word seriously can be like wolves among the sheep, so be wise, all right? Second, the mocking and this belittling and this disdain um, is not usually reasoned arguments. It's, It's people who just say, hey, common wisdom, look, Anybody knows that this whole Christianity thing, this whole miracle thing, this whole God being above and beyond nature, come on, we're modern people, right? They were saying this in the year 30, right? We're modern people. We don't buy into this whole virgin birth or resurrection from the dead. Come on, it's all metaphor. Peter says, I saw it. Remember, that what we are rooted to, the storizo, Peter says, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrated it last week. If that is mere metaphor, if, if he did not rise as a dead man to a living man from the grave, Paul says we are most to be pitied. Okay, So let's not back down and let those in our culture or any culture who would mock our faith get away with that. Finally, their idea was that if there wasn't a reckoning, then you can do whatever you darn well please. What does it matter? What do our lives really matter? If there's no, God doesn't sort out in the end, own idea? And so for them, Peter says, look, they've got their own ideas of what they want to see happen in their lives, and to do away with a reckoning with the coming of the Lord fits their agenda perfectly. In the book of Jude, which we're also drawing from since these books are uh, very similar, he says in verse 17 of the book of Jude, talks about these same people. But you must remember, beloved, The predictions of the apostles of Jesus Christ, they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, there are the scoffers scoffing again, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause division, they're worldly people, they don't have the spirit, and he says, but you, beloved, build yourself up in the most holy faith. So this is what we want to do during this time, not listening to people who are going to tear down, but to those who Who would build up? Let me just take a a very brief diversion and just look at two phrases because they come in the Bible a lot and they come in this uh, book several times. Two phrases: in the last days, and in the day of the Lord. All right. When are the last days? Are we living in the last days? All right. I mean, for the last since I've been a Christian for forty-five years, and I grew up, we were in the last days. Are we? Yep. Bible says Jesus was born in the last days. The last days have, are used as a time. It's used quite broadly, definitely since Jesus came, and at Pentecost, because Joel says in the last days, the Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. So most people feel like the last days have been occurring for about 2,000 years. Now, there's the last days, and then there's the last of the last days. There's the last days. And in those last days, we, that's a time we don't know exactly when the last days of the last days are. Are there signs it might be now? Sure. Have there been signs before? Sure. We better assume that they're pretty soon. It makes sense to live like we don't have forever in terms of this world and this earth. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, there's a whole Paul has an entire discussion of what life will look like in the last days and he was writing again thousands of years ago, but he felt like he was living in them now and it was again the love of many growing cold, scoffers, mockers. And guys, it's we've seen it. We've seen it consistently throughout time. So, we should live with this sense that you know what? The day of his the day of his coming, the day of his approach could definitely be now. It's a wise way to live. Second phrase, the day of the Lord. Once again, it's used very broadly in scripture. It's used first back way back in Genesis, Jacob uses the phrase, the day of the Lord. What it indicates is a a nearness of arrival, and in the Bible it can have both a near and a far fulfillment, that this day of the Lord can be His appearing at a time in history, but also many of these prophecies seem to refer to a time at the end of all things. One thing we do know, well, several things we do know, human arrogance ends at the day of the Lord scripturally that's what we learn specifically you can look at isaiah two seventeen, but it's all throughout is that when humans begin to rise up and say we know we have all the answers we don't need god it's not faith or god that does anything the day of the lord will typically set that arrogance to rights second thing we learn is that it's going to be unexpected at some level. The day of the Lord, it says, is going to come like a thief in the... You'd lock the door. Right. If the thief didn't know, right? But if you knew when the thief was coming, you'd lock the doors, you'd prep for it. We don't know. So there's a, there is a sense in which the day of the Lord, the day of his salvation, the day of his promise, the day of fulfillment is going to be a surprise. Don't be surprised that it's a surprise. You do a lot better if you think... Lord today why here's the, the point of second Peter and we're going to catch two more principles but here's the point second Peter 2 I mean sorry second Peter chapter three verse 11 since all these things are thus to be dissolved we'll talk about that fire in a minute. what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. The point is, let's live our lives now with the holiness and godliness that not only makes our life joyful now, as opposed to the guilt and the shame and the sin that just wrecks people's lives, but it also That if Jesus came today, it wouldn't be like, oh, there's a thousand things I got to run around and get done. There's all those relationships that I've left, all those people I wanted to tell about Jesus, all those uh, unforgiveness that I've held on to. I got like ten minutes till He comes. You won't even have that long. It'll just be a second. So live our lives so that if if Jesus walks in your house or walks in this building now, you would say, hey. I'm ready. Let's go. I don't need to grab my keys or my wallet or do anything. I'm ready. That's what Peter's saying. He says, When you live with an eye to what's going to last. Let's look at two, two more brief things that Peter brings up here that I think are really instructive for us. Remember when he goes back and he says the heavens and the earth are going to be destroyed by fire, just like. But I want to destroyed by water, and I'll I'll take the fire part second. But I want to say, you say false teachers, scoffers who scoff. You say, look where is he? It's been so long. Not only has it been thirty years since Jesus came, but ever since the patriarchs, thousands of years, the world just keeps going on. Don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Okay, so clearly God doesn't see time the way we see it. Now, is he outside of time? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. I don't know how God sees time. He clearly doesn't deal with it the way we do. But even, you know, we're created in God's image. And I think it's interesting that even for us, time speeds up and slows down a bit, right? Right? For me, uh, one, time, one place time slows down is like when I'm on a plane that's experiencing terrible turbulence, I'm like, I will look, 30 seconds of terrible turbulence on a plane feels like an hour to me. I, I look and I think, are you kidding? It was 221, it's only 222? There must have been, you know, half an hour has gone by. I, I play a little game with myself, I take a piece of paper and I mark like, 10-minute intervals with little dots so that I can mark the passage of time to remind myself that time is still going because it seems like it's standing still. On the other hand, if you've ever been, you go to your favorite vacation spot or to a place where it's just your place, an hour can go by and blink, you blink or a week and you think, are you kidding? I've got to pack up again? We just started. A week goes by and it seems like a second. Or a second goes by and it seems like a week. We have this very sketchy image of that. The Lord, He says it's a thousand years like a day to Him. He blinks and a, a, a 10,000 years have gone by. Why does that matter? Because He says you are foolish to think you're not going to do anything. Years, 100 years, 1,000 years, it's been forever. God's not going to do anything unique. He's not going to stop the world with, like, some pandemic. Oh, hold on. Something unique, something different is going to happen here? Peter would say, guys, it's only been a day. It's only been two days. You say it's been 30 years or a 1,000 years. Life just goes on. For the Lord, it's just been a day. He wow. say, why isn't He coming? And Peter says, you're, you're foolish. The reason He's not coming it's not because he's slow, can't fulfill his promise for God, he's too busy. He says he's patient. Because the heart of God is this. He's patient toward you in verse 8. He doesn't wish that any of you should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We know from Scripture that all won't. That won't happen. Some will hate God. Some will reject God. Some will think this is scoffing foolishness. But he says God's patient. And in his patience, don't mistake it for slowness. Finally, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, verse 10. Then the heavens will pass away with a roar, the heavenly bodies burned up and dissolved. Fire is a, is a picture the Bible uses many, many times. And it uses it in the sense of refining. When a smelting goes on, that's the process by which something Solid like uh, silver or gold, the impurities are taken out. Much more than just fire. We look at this passage and it can look like, well, God's just burning it up like it's all gone and there's nothing left. But remember, just like the flood, yes, it covered the earth, but what did it do? It removed all the corruption that the Bible says was ruling the earth at the time. And those who trusted in God were saved. And so when we look at it, just a couple, so many verses in here, but let's go back to to 1 Peter 1, just a couple pages back, 1 Peter 1, verse 6 and 7, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, so Peter, thinking again about this image, says, In this you rejoice, and we'll talk about what this is in a minute, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Same picture and image as before. God is is doing something, and what does he use? He uses the fire of trial and difficulty. In this you rejoice, because they were going through tremendous hardship. And because of that, he says, your faith is going to have all those impurities, all that dross is going to be burned out because of the trials and the difficulties. For some of us this time right now, it's a great trial, it's a great difficulty, but it's to refine us. Peter says, look, again, circling back around to verse 11, since all this is to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? See, there's a meaninglessness in life without Jesus Christ. And that even as Christians were tempted to desire the things that this world says we should desire. Security, peace at any cost, relationships that give us value, people's approval, all these things that ultimately you have to ask, is, is this lasting? Is this forever? Or is this going to be burned up? God comes The day of the Lord, says in Malachi 3, comes with fire. When God comes, He burns away all the things we thought were real. Paul in in Corinthians talks about, to the Corinthian church, he says, look, you're building your lives with things that are wood, hay, and stubble. So the analysis for us, the, the thing for us to look at is what are our lives being built on? Guys, we have time to think right now. Maybe if you have a lot of kids at home, you're thinking, no, I don't. I got no time to think. Take the time to think. Let's not waste a moment of our lives building things that are going to burn up. It's not that those things are bad. Having, putting away money for a secure future, it's wise. But if we obsess over it, how do you know if you obsess over it? Oh, you know if you obsess over it. You know it has a hold on you. We work for the praise of people. We work for the praise of culture. We work for pleasure. Lord, let it not have a hold on us. Because when the day comes and when He brings His fire, the book of Hebrews says, our God is a consuming fire. What does He consume? Us? He consumes the thing that were never meant to last in the first place. And all that we do, apart from Christ, when we don't do, it, don't do it in faith, don't do it as unto Him, there's a sense of the temporalness of it. I want to close with Jude, who gives this tremendous way for us. And I, I, I was convicted as I read this this week. Um, some things he uh, admonishes us to. This is Jude. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. See, if we, if we teach people that you can't. your life will be burned up if Jesus isn't at the center because he's like that precious gold and silver. He doesn't burn up in the fire all through Scripture, when he goes into the fire, whether it was Daniel, and the, uh, not Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel, they, they weren't consumed by the fire. Why? Because they had something precious and lasting. We don't scoff at those who doubt. We have mercy on them. We help others. And finally, we show mercy with fear though we hate even the garment stained by the flesh. So even though we live in a world where there's a lot of things happening that we wish weren't, there's a lot of things happening that we know aren't right, we as Christians are called to something different to live lives in that inflammable sense so that we're fireproof because we've trusted in the Lord. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, would you teach us what sort of people we ought to be as Peter admonishes the church? Lord, help us not to think lives of holiness and godliness are sort of boring lives. That's the another lie the world has put out, that I'd rather be with the sinners who are having fun than with the saints who are somehow uh, not. Lord, we know the lie is that, Lord, the True godliness and true holiness brings us the excitement, the adventure, the joy that can't be snatched away. And sin, while it has pleasure for a season, leaves bitter death in its wake. So, Lord, teach us in these days what sort of people we ought to be. Having mercy, reaching out, ministering to, and thinking of others. Lord, in building our lives on that which will last, I to what having a mind that while we live here on this earth, we have an eye to what's lasting and that the day of the Lord and that the coming of this day, Lord, we look forward to. Lord, we don't fear the fire. Lord, we know you have made us, because we're in you, immune to that, Lord. That though Even though our bodies may burn, Lord, even though our 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 things, Lord, the things that we treasure and value, we know it's always for our good and always out of love that you would take away the things that are going to hurt us in order to leave us with the things that are going to last. So make us people with eternal mindsets. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.